Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What's up, freaks? Welcome back to the podcast. Now, if you didn't get your tickets yet, I'm going to remind you at least one more time that O Sleeper, Emory, and Hawthorne Heights are packaged up together and heading down the West Coast as we speak. We play tonight in the Bay Area, and then we're headed south from there. That's California, of course. And then we're going to Arizona and Texas the next couple of weeks. Get those tickets at emorymusic.com. But let me just focus on O Sleeper. I saw them last night in Seattle, and it was bonkers. This band is on point, so I'm not going to focus on Emory or Hawthorne Heights. They're great, but you got to come out and see O Sleeper on this tour. They're in their element. They're they're really on fire right now, and I'm excited to get to go do some dates with them. Today's show is sponsored by Brooklinen. These are the best sheets I've ever slept in, so get 10% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BADCHRISTIAN at brooklinen.com. Today's show also sponsored by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? You can try ZipRecruiter for free by visiting ZipRecruiter.com slash BADCHRISTIAN. All right, let's do it. Oh, hell yeah, God showed up. I don't give a shit what I put in my body. You don't ever talk to me that way. <laughs> so if you've never done oral, then you're extra virgin. No, girl, it's my pleasure. I showed my dad my penis when I was 25 years old. You don't get more honest than that. Hello, I'm Dr. 321, <laughs> delivering 321 hitting. Two, 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 Yep. That I fantasized Every, about for yeah. for weeks and months before. That's true. I was asking for a drum set and figuring <laughs> out how I could save up money to get a drum set. And I spent weeks, and, and this has been 95 or so. Um, right. And I spent weeks imagining this fantasy in my head when I was a 15-year-old that when I get the drum set, what am I going to play first? How is it going to sound? And I'm going to impress everybody. And right. I would have pictured myself playing those drums that I hadn't played and gotten yet, like what I was going to yep. play and thinking about it and how impressed people would be if I knew the smells like Teen Spirit beat, which I didn't understand what it even was. Right. And just this total fantasy. And then everybody gets that drum beat. And there you go. But sloppier than I can't even make it sound out of time with my mouth. I am always impressed with parents that actually go through with it and get their kids a drum set. My parents, I asked them. I wouldn't have done good. They, maybe that's why. Maybe your parents and like Dave's parents thought, you know, they they have some musical talent, you know. But my mm-hmm. parents weren't going to ever allow me to have a drum set. I mean, I was constantly told. I never even told you. I guess was it the same for you? Because you talk a lot and you're loud. Did your parents always just try to have to shut you down at all? My, my dad would constantly go, you get on my nerves, son. You've been too loud. You no got to be quiet. You know, like it's just, I guess I was just, now I see it with my own kids, but I guess I was the, of course, one of the loudest kids in all of Greer, South Carolina, mm-hmm. at least, maybe the world. <laughs> yeah, I think you and I are top for Greer. But uh, yeah, I had I had real issues with that, like uh 
I'm not. I've not ever been able to control my my behavior very well. I still don't, to be honest. And I understand my father's point of view. But I had this tick where I just couldn't. I can't stop stuff like whistling. So I whistle through my teeth, yep. which I don't even whistle very well. But that whistling also uh, is my is my musical language because it takes no effort, and I can control the yep. pitch, and I can do it, you know, effortlessly, kind of instead of singing. Yep. And that's how I explored music like scales and notes and melodies i just kind of whistle them to myself and so i kind of got into that in my early teenage years and it was just i couldn't stop it you know and it didn't sound good and it wasn't anything to listen to and you're doing i'm just whistling constantly in my house and my dad is screaming son stop that shrill (laughs) what you have to stop and he's just saying over and i say oh sorry and i would say jen sorry daddy sorry daddy You, you know like right i'm not trying to and then seconds later i'm doing it again you know and so i i spent a decent amount of time being sent to the car in the driveway where I could whistle. Like, not because I wanted to, it's just, he said, that's it. Go to the, go sit in the car. You're in, yep, he made me the leave car. the house and go sit in the car in the driveway. Yeah. That, I, I tell you all the time how much my son Ike is like you. He very similarly does the same thing, except for it's humming. Mm-hmm. He'll do a humming thing that uh, like, it's just, he's not even thinking about the humming necessarily. It's just kind of there mm-hmm. and he's doing it. And I, I mean, he's, He's aware of it because we say, "Hey, stop humming." He knows, "Oh yeah, I am humming or whatever." But it's a, it's something just like that. Like yeah, it, it's, it's, inter- it's an exploratory you, uh, thing. Like it's just you're. But exploring. what about uh-huh. what about noise for you when you were a kid? Were you really receptive to noise? Where did the noises uh, get? get you or were loud noises scary or any of that stuff do you remember any of that i know that's yeah, probably a long yeah time noise ago. sensitivity for sure yeah yeah like if i'm in a bathroom and there's a weird sound it's just like yeah unbelievably intense or something when right. i was a kid same with taste like a taste of a flavor that an adult thinks is no big deal a green pea right. or something i would gag from it like you know it's a lot of sensory <laughs> stuff like that that you know like it hurts yeah, me. i'm covering my gym. ears yeah. for certain things and stuff like that yeah 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 that sounds familiar um well, I've had a good day as a father today. I took the kids to a park. Well, first of all, okay, I took the, I, I looked around. I was like, where's the playgrounds? I like, Google playgrounds, found this cool park with a playground. It's by a lake. I was like, oh, okay, new city. We're going to go check it out. Let's see, check out this park. We get to the park. There's a big sign that says parking $5. I said, kids, we can't stay here. <laughs> nice. And we left. <laughs> We're out. <laughs> I lied to my kids that I don't have my wallet. I had my wallet with a crisp $5 bill in, <laughs> in my mind. I said, no way. I drove through. Well, I, okay. I did drive through $5? to see how to Fuck judge. You. We're at it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'll show you. To, I drove through to judge the park's playground. I was like, uh, I don't Not know, and I made I, I I made my kids the accomplice like, hey, that playground doesn't look that good, does it? They go, you know what? It isn't that good. I was like, yeah, let's go find a cool playground. So we rode around, found the uh, another playground that was awesome and free, and it was rad, and we had a good time. And then this was really fun. In our neighborhood is like this water fountain. You know how when the water fountain thing go, comes out of the ground, I don't know what that's called, but you the kids can run around in it, and you you know it's like just a just a whatever, uh, but it just. It's not just like a normal water fountain. It's like a play Spray fountain. Spray park. Yeah, I guess that's probably what it's called. And uh, it was so fun. I just sat there and just had a really good time. And I, I, today I've just been like, it's been definitely harder the last few weeks, especially like uh, with, with Joey Svensson and all the stuff that's going on with Joey Svensson and just not to derail my story, but Joey is doing better. We all talked and, and Matt and I felt like, man, we, we love our friend so much. We are going to give him plenty of uh, room and time uh, we basically it's like a sabbatical for Joey. He's he's still getting paid and just taking time to recover and do all that good stuff. But yeah, um, so that timeline, I, by the way, might be something in the order of you know weeks. 
several weeks if, yeah. or, or whatever. I yeah, we're not putting any deadlines or timelines on anything because this is bigger than a podcast or work or all that stuff. We just care about our friend. He is doing better. And uh, yeah, so and we really do care about him. I know he cares about us. So, um, but anyway, I, I have been not not just that, but just uh, life. Jess's new job. I've been with the kids. I've been really stressed. But today felt like, man, I I was being a good dad. I didn't raise my voice. I said, listen, I do not want to raise my voice. Y'all are not listening right now. So please, mm-hmm. I know y'all don't like it. I don't like it. I don't want to talk to you this way. I just asked you three things that I need you to get done. Can y'all? Do? And so, I, and I was just like so proud of myself. For not raising my voice. For de-escalating, yeah. Yeah. Right. But then, immediately, uh, uh, not immediately, you know, (laughs) an hour later or whatever, uh, while they're playing or something, I look on my phone, and and somebody on Facebook said that they will never allow a raised voice in their house. And I was like, oh, they just think they're so good. I was like, oh, get out of here. Yeah, I know. I was like, hey, my immediate thought was, sometimes you should raise your voice. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not going to never raise my voice because there's an appropriate time you need to raise your voice. And I went that way. So, anyway. well, you know, I value the fact that I d- am not bothered in my in the general. I mean, there's a real. <laughs> I mean, I don't want my kids to get raised in a very calm environment where there's never any chaos or adversity oh, or noise to I overcome know. or distraction. I mean, the world is crazy. So I right. would like for them to be able to overcome chaos. And so I like personally like a chaotic living environment that is generally loud i do not yeah. want it to be adversarial though yeah i don't need to use my dominance to achieve my goals and teach them yes. that that's how you achieve your goals but i yeah. do like loud i love it yeah i mean you know we, our house is tiny and we are loud as you can't imagine and every one of our kids they ain't worried about it if it's time to and we've never <laughs> said in my house oh be quiet you're gonna wake the baby never heard All that right. said it doesn't exist it doesn't exist. I mean, that, that definitely happens in our. In no, we don't. House, we don't but, have. I mean, we just don't have that, and so the kids can sleep, and they don't. I mean, but I don't want them so you know. desensitized that they're aggressive and rude and mean and can't temper it to other people because that won't right. serve them well. So they, you know, we got to put the. I don't yeah. want them to also gain control of rooms by being the loudest as their primary right. tool, and I've been guilty of that. My kids have definitely learned my. I'm actually upset loud voice and I they know oh wait I can do whatever right now because there's tons of times where I raise my voice and I just hear dying laughing well you're gonna have to give us audio examples here it happens to be the type of thing that works well in audio so go on ahead give us your not sincere one where you don't really mean it but you're trying to gain control all right uh so uh, 30 minutes after (laughs) bedtime when I when we you know it's 30 minutes they they've been in bed for 30 minutes and I hear talking right Y'all better be quiet! And all I hear, <laughs> and all I hear is <laughs> I just yeah, hear tons of laughing. laughing. And then all I can all I'm laughing too. Then, well, then, are you then, are you serious then, when you do it? Or are you just saying I'm gonna try this? I'm, I'm reinforcing my wife's wishes. But you're not actually <laughs> mad enough to speak at that volume. You just put on that expression. They know I, if if I was serious, I'd be at their door. So I'm doing it from our room or downstairs. Uh-huh. So I'm raising my voice to so they can actually hear me. And it's usually because Jesse, you got to tell them to be quiet. You know that that happens. All right. hey, you got to do this. You, you know she's not. That is my job. You hey, let them know enforcer. this. T- they better wash their hands. They better come. You know she's telling me, mm-hmm. so I am the rule enforcer. So they yep. know, and and I probably you know like that. But then yeah. But I want to know before you go to the next one. Is that like a vocal take where if it's not sincere, it's not convincing? Is it like that? Like you, yeah. What it takes to really be convincing to your kids is similar to if I've got to sing this song and make it real. 
though. Like they know that you just that was a half measure on your part, and that's why they laugh at it. You didn't yes. sell it. Right. Or it's not yeah, ge- or right. it can be yeah. genuine or you gotta sell it. I mean, you know, or, some combination. Yeah, or it comes across a little goofy and yeah. funny. Like that's what I yeah. like I, I raise my voice all the time making jokes around them whatever. I'm gonna yeah. get you, you right. better run. Yeah. What, yeah, you know, and so they know too, yeah. so all that all that kind of goes it's probably is that same thing where it goes in, it's like voice acting or something. You right. you go into the, some character and like probably my levels of volume are different characters that I go into mm-hmm. and, and it's probably almost uh, you know, I'm subconsciously doing that, but and then the yeah, give me the real. Re- take a minute. We'll have a little dead air while you get in the zone. You get in before you do a vocal take or before you really try to be abusive to your kids. Um, All right, go ahead and okay. let me hear what it sounds like when they have gone too far this time, and you okay. are not. You're barely in control. All right, I'm gonna give you a little. <laughs> I'm gonna give you a little thing. A couple things to listen for. One, I realize that my loud, screamy voice is uh, it is cartoonish. So if I'm really mad. Uh, don't go much as the screamy yell or yeah, you know, that, mm-hmm. that feels like that's just noise. I focus in hard. Okay. So notice it, it isn't like, you know, Hey, what are y'all doing? Like that, that, you know, that is okay. It's I, not cartoonish, about volume, loud. Purely. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is just getting their attention mostly. Mm-hmm. Hey, they know, they know why I'm yelling. They should be asleep. It's been 30 minutes, an hour or whatever. Okay. This is the one. All right, I'm trying to get that. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling a little too goofy right now. Let's see. Okay. <clears throat> well, that's what separates you, right. the voice actors and the real talent in the world, that you you got you to gotta put yourself there right. to, to do it. <laughs> All right, here we go. <clears throat> hey, why are you guys doing that? Your mother just said stop, and now you're doing this? Get up to your room right now. <laughs> scene <laughs> it, it's a little it's you know it's a little shorter a little more serious you know kind of something like that. i thought it was so. going to start with the snap eruption that happens so fast like they i think there's a timing issue when they know when you react to and how quickly to a thing because you're yeah. calm and all of a sudden they see a snap is what i, I yeah. think is the thing and mine's become less effective but it goes it goes more like this it's like Calm, calm. They do something. They push it down, and all of a sudden, and it goes from zero to a hundred. The very second something happens, like you've been waiting <laughs> to pop, and now you've popped. And that always usually starts with the essentially the thing that's the loudest sound you can make, which is just, "Hey, yeah, hey." And then you, then you, and you're talking right here, and you're just like, you're just, "I'm so so serious right now. I'm just going to tell you what you're going to do, and you're going to do." This. Right. Yeah. But it starts with the. If you try to make the loudest sound you can, it's basically the word "hey," yep. and I think that's probably prevalent. And mine is usually I, I want to convey that I'm in shock that they would do something so stupid. <laughs> Come on, are you? you know, like, your mother just said that, and now you're doing this. <laughs> they're they're probably listening right now. They're probably scared to death. No, dying laughing at you from yeah. upstairs. What they're doing? Oh yeah, for sure. Oh god, that's I'm gonna hilarious. get laughed at so much. And that's what I'm saying though. Like I like. That they understand and, you know, that I mean, that's what I'm saying. They know that Jess and I both, I mean, there's definitely tons of times where we raise our voice and we don't, we don't like that either. And it, it is hard. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. On, I, I, it is so crazy how much you love your kids and they're so important that it just, it can drive you crazy. You, you can go through every gamut of emotion in like 20 minutes, mm-hmm. like scared, angry, hurt, love, happiness, joy. I mean, every possible thing. It's just unbelievable. Like, I mean, Ike was having a hard time listening today. He did a several things, so he was going to lose uh, a game, game time. And then he just did, I said, hey, I'll give you a chance to earn it back 
but you just really got to try, man. Listen, there's a couple rules I need you to follow today. He always doesn't look both ways when he enters parking lots, traffic, all that stuff. L- little simple stuff. And then out of nowhere, he just helped this, uh, I guess she was mentally disabled little girl at the playground. And I was like, it was just so sweet and genuine. I was like, oh, man, he's so awesome. And I almost started crying right there. I was like, I'm, it was just, I was like, whoa, he didn't, like, she wanted to, to play with the thing. And he, he just held his hand out and said, yeah, sure. Like, like. I know he wanted to play with the thing, but he just let her. And I was like, that's so amazing. He's like deep down inside. He's such a sweet kid. And it just brought me to emotion, even though seriously, seven minutes before I was like, you idiot, what the <laughs> hell is wrong with you? Yeah. And then, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't say that to him, but I mean, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> so it just, I mean, it just, there is no, kids are just everything. They're just everything. And that's why my brain doesn't work as good anymore. That's why I'm filled with more joy. Usually that's why I'm filled with more fear. I mean, it's crazy. All of it is wrapped up in those three upstairs right now. No crazy. doubt about it. All right. Did you know that you spend about a third of your life in the sheets? I might even spend a little bit longer than that. Uh, you know, I go to bed at like 8.30 p.m. <laughs> But don't you want your sheets to be insanely comfortable? I'm telling you, that is why I love Brooklinen. These are the best sheets, the best duvet, best comforter, best pillowcases I have ever owned in my life. Seriously. You can check out their newest linen collection with a beautiful assortment of colors. Brooklinen's got 35,000 five-star reviews. 35,000 plus five-star reviews. I'm one of those more than any other online betting company uh, in in the world. I'm assuming here. Well, half a million happy sleepers and counting. Seriously, they were founded in early 2014 by husband and wife Vicky Rich Follop, who wanted to find beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg. Their mission to make you comfortable, and they succeeded. I'm telling you, they have 12 beautiful linen colors and patterns to choose from. So let me tell you a little bit. It's in their name, so you know it's good. Brooke Lennon's newest linen collection is amazing. I couldn't recommend their products more. That is the truth. For graduates, newlyweds, friends, or family, or treating yourself to the bedroom upgrade you deserve, brooklinen.com is giving an exclusive offer just for our listeners. Get 10% off and free shipping when you use promo code BADCHRISTIAN at brooklinen.com. Brooklinen is so confident in their product that all their sheets, comforters, and towels Come with a lifetime warranty. Lifetime warranty, folks. The only way to get 10% off and free shipping is to use promo code BADCHRISTIAN at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo BADCHRISTIAN. Brooklinen, these are the best sheets ever. Now, um, you mentioned earlier about Joey, and I think something that's real funny about that, and I do think this is funny in the genuine sense, is... We're actually in some kind of situation right now that sounds a little bit like, and it is honestly, can you respect the privacy and just you know leave us alone a little bit here? There's more. There's of course facts and details, but they're neither here nor there right oh, yeah. now. And of course, we're the podcast about transparency, and people right. ask for privacy at times. <laughs> but I can clearly feel it in this moment. Like, oh, I get it. Okay, jokes on us a little bit here, but that that's kind of is the situation, and we we will talk about it more. But I was thinking about, and ironically, what there is to talk about right now and in the news this week and evangelical stuff and church and authority and all that stuff is this Joshua Harris story, which is just so big and it's real similar. It's just, and we've done this on this podcast so many times where it's like a scandal happens in evangelical and scandal, not scandal, but I mean, you know, I don't know what the right word is, but controversy. And it's always 
bad Christian podcast going, well, why don't they just tell us? It's a, right. Respect my private. Well, if you do something wrong, you didn't, you, you know, there's a feeling there that there's something being hidden or it's been hidden for a long time. And we, you know, our guests, we're going to talk about that with our guests today. And this Joshua Harris thing is just huge, but it's because, you know, it, it's, it's kind of ironic in a way. But now, we're, from where you're sitting, how do you, what's your take and how are you thinking about this Josh Harris situation? Well, does everybody know what that is? I guess you you can explain it too. But yeah, so he was the guy. Man, this is probably back when we were. I mean, I guess this was. Did he write that book in the nineties? I'm thinking it was the nineties, early two thousands. I'll look that up in a little bit, and I'll I'll let you know. But Josh Harris wrote. I I think he wrote several books, but it was "I Kissed Dating Goodbye," and it was this big movement. I can remember, and I was. I remember somebody gave me the book, and I just didn't read it, which I'm glad I didn't. But it's it was that it was written in 1997. So thank you. So I. My first year of college. <laughs> no, my second year of college, actually. Uh, no, wait a Good Lord. Yeah, second first, year of college. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I went to college in 94, so I guess, shit. <laughs> Damn I it. went to college in 97. It was my first year. Oh, now, my Lord. I'm keep old. in mind that we graduated at the same time, almost. Right. So my first thought, <laughs> even just saying that, is like, I can't hold too much against a guy that did something in 97. <laughs> well, he was just doing the best he could, probably, even though it's shitty and all that stuff but it's it's funny because that that's what i'm saying think about how often the christian world how much have you seen about josh harris before this past few weeks or month almost nothing right like nobody cared they just were glad he was on their team and mm-hmm. now he actually takes at what, what i would call a real risk with his career he's still a writer and obviously known in the world like he could have not said anything wrote a written probably three or four more christian books and put taken it to the bank Right. I mean, he could Mm -hmm. do that. He could, I mean, he could, if he was a bad guy now, if, if, so him and his wife and within like a week's time, he posted on Instagram that him and his wife were divorcing. And then like the next week he posted and just letting everybody know, I'm not really a believer anymore. I'm not a Christian anymore. So he posted those two things on Instagram and the last, I don't know, I think the first one when they were getting divorced is uh, July 17th. And then the next one was like a few days ago. And so uh, I think it's interesting how much people love it that they have something to talk about like that that's the real thing here too one one is we're not even close to understanding that this guy has a life and he's changed since 1997 and it has the ability to and freedom to and all those things all we want to do is how does it affect me wait i read your book and now you're not man you're full of shit that you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. what he might have been full of shit then but you loved it he might have yeah. been, he's most likely more full of shit in 1997 than he is now. <laughs> and you lo- you want the full of shit that's, guy, that's not the guy that's saying, hey, I'm going to risk everything just to tell you the truth. Isn't that bizarre? It like is. we, we don't want the truth. We only want our crafted narrative. Yeah. That's, that's what we want. We want oh, man, narrative. we want him to always be a Christian because he wrote a book one time that I read and I thought was pretty cool. And I, I would like my story with him to end there. No, yes. he's back. With the, with the truth, and I don't like it. Narrative is, is the right territory to speak in because, you know, I think most people have the experience that they are in a narrative, first of all, which doesn't have to be that way. It just turns out it yep. seems to be that's the experience people have, that they are in a narrative yep. that they are the center of. That seems to be a good way that people conduct their life or effective, maybe evolutionarily so. You know, like there's some right. reason we think of things that way, although our narrative is just ours. So these other figures in there, like, so if you're not Joshua Harris, then he is a figure in your story. So you were happy yeah. to have the character to support what you wanted to support when he came along. You never cared about him or what he actually thought, and you might not have cared what's even true. 
but yeah. you just needed him to tell you what you wanted to hear in a book at that time. He was never a person to you, really. You know, it was just information right. that probably supported what you wanted to believe when you read that book. Yeah. That's uh, yes, basically that, who he is to you. And then th- since then, he's existed as a pseudo-celebrity that people in their narratives, they feel good because they know a guy that's more popular than them. That, and that's who right. you become next. And then you live that. And then at this point, those same people that, that thought they knew him or their status was improved because they knew him or they got the information they wanted from him, now he's yeah. saying something different because he has changed which seems incredibly genuine because all the pressure would be the opposite direction. And now he is a bad character in your narrative as you across this whole time have remained static. Right. So I'm a little more interested in him in that regard because he's not a static character. He has his right. own narrative that you don't know anything about, you know, obviously. And yep. he's doing, he's changed and I don't know if he's changed for the better or worse. You know, that's, I don't exactly know those things, but it does seem that he is, has and is willing to change and that that is ruffling the feathers of people that like to remain static. That's kind of the way I look at it from an overview. And I, I don't have much judgments there, but certainly some people get divorced and we don't disagree that they should. And if you don't know right. the particulars, I don't know. So maybe I've softened on criticizing divorce. I don't know. I think I've definitely softened on criticizing divorce. I would say that it is, it is frustrating to me, like the amount of people, uh, Christians, that it, he did. I heard so much when I was growing up, and I know I grew up in a very small sect of the evangelical world that was super conservative and fundamentalist. But divorce, when I was real little, probably under ten, was a big sin. It was it was considered you know huge. It was mm-hmm. it was really terrible. And even though there were people that sometimes got divorced, you just didn't see them again if they went to the church. And now my now I see it way differently. The thing that I do struggle with, if I'm being honest, is. Shit, you told so many people that divorce is bad, and this isn't just Josh Harris. You know how many pastors and uh, church staff and people I know that have said for sure divorce is bad, don't do it, Uh, God can fix anything, Uh, it's a wicked generation that wants to split from family and and spouse and all that stuff, and then they just get divorced, and and quietly. That's what I'm saying. At least I can respect him for making an announcement. Like the, The amount of quiet divorces out there in the Christian world, mm-hmm. it just seems so shady and yeah. so hidden and so creepy. Like, wait a minute. And the reason why is because you told people don't get divorced, and all of a sudden it's a right for you, which is a one of the worst things in the whole world in Christianity is you can tell anybody stuff about them, mm-hmm. but you got a giant plank in your eye, um, and you just do. I do. I'm talking about me right now. It's very easy for me to tell lots of people how to live their life, and then I have a lot of shit going on that ain't good. Mm-hmm. So don't don't listen to. Me. You should you should take everything with a grain of salt. Maybe the book that Josh Harris wrote was good for you at that time, and it was good. Maybe it was potentially good for him at that time, and now it's not. And he realizes, wait a minute. And maybe it was terrible at that time, and terrible for other people at that time. Yeah, and mostly seems like it caused a huge ton of harm seems to be the large consensus though <laughs> yeah you're probably <laughs> right on end. that actually <laughs> well, I, what i'm saying is yes i agree but the the point there is why do we immediately go the the reason that we even care now or people care now is because they lifted him up so high because of That's something right. he wrote that that was pretty That's one-sided right. 
Of right. course it was. It, he Everybody should have said, hey, wait a minute. He did of telling yeah. people what they right. wanted to hear as an immature right. doofus. Like, that right. Joshua Harris I don't like. The one now I'm interested in. I don't know, I don't know if I yes. like him or whatever. It, he follows me right. on Twitter, and I messaged him and said, I would love to hear more about whatever. And he said, cool. Right. But, I mean, I mean I'm, you know, I'm sure he's, well, I wrote he's him not too eager on, to, yeah. to maybe come on, but maybe we'll do that in the future. But I'm interested uh, I, in his current state of this person yeah. more than the former. I, I wrote him on Instagram and just said, hey, listen, uh, we'd love to have you come on the show. He said, hey, I'm taking a break right now, but I would, I, I might would in the future. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just wrote back. I was like, I'm sure you're getting it from all sides. And that's the thing that's really tough right now. That's what I'm saying. The thing I really respect about him is he, I mean, even on his post, when so he made a post about getting divorced. And then his next post, he, I, I'm assuming he was just like a week later, I might as well get it all out. Yeah. So I can just move on from this. And he said, I am learning that no group has the market cornered on grace this week i've received grace from christians uh evangelicals lgbtq all kinds of people um he goes on to say some stuff here and and uh he wants to apologize he says but uh i specifically want to add to the list how he goes on he's talking about how um he's been repenting of his self-righteousness his fear-based approach to life the teaching of his books his views on women in the church and his approach to parenting just to name a few he said but i specifically want to add this to the list now to the lgbtq community i want to say i'm sorry for the views that i taught in my books and as a pastor regarding sexuality i regret standing against marriage equality for not affirming you and your place in the church and for any ways that my writing and speaking contributed to a culture of exclusion and bigotry i hope you can forgive me right. he's he's saying a lot of the right things people are still going to be upset and mad at him but i want to give people grace because what, what, which would you rather him? Like, are you want to stay mad at him for what he did in the past, or are you glad that he actually is changing, maybe for the better? Well, some people are mad that he's changing for the it. worse, though, because they see they still think the past thing. That's the but they I mean, just some think people losing like, somebody. Well, yeah, but whatever way. Mm-hmm. On, on one hand, he did a lot of harm with a lot of bad teaching, and that type of teaching just certainly yes. harmed me and a lot of other people. It just that's true. I mean, I don't want that. I don't want to repeat that. My children, all that stuff. Right. Um, when that's purity I, culture is a topic there, which yes. is about to blow up. Like this has a resonance because I mean stuff is so different now and that's part of yeah. why this story has a resonance but i find it more interesting in that if a if he didn't also kind of explain his deconstruction or his faith change then i don't i'm not interested basically because i don't want to hear apologies or things or whatever right. if it's not if there's not real change going on in the person and if it was a regular christian who was going to remain a pastor and a christian Everything would he would have done everything to be as quiet as possible. He would like the fact that he would come out with a faith change now is just means that he is actually relinquishing some things and going to let them the chips fall yeah. where they may. He's not trying to overmanage what happens. I, that's what I'm interested in. He's like, you know, there's no real advantage in it for him. And then a lot of people are going to say, "Fuck you," no matter what, because you did this harm. But but nonetheless, he's going to say, "Yeah, I'm sorry, I did that to you, and I hope you accept me." I understand if you don't. Like that just that just brings kind of genuine to me. I don't see the advantage. Like, I don't see what to criticize him for. Right. You know? And then there's yeah. another position that, uh, I saw it was Jamie Lee Finch on Twitter, who I follow. She's an ex-evangelical um, type. Um, that she was making a really interesting point, and I'm going to try to get her to come on sometime or something like that, if she will, but she was making an interesting point about divorce being stigmatized, that all the people they're saying screw you, ah, ha, 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 you're getting divorced, like that's a bad thing. These are people that don't really believe divorce is bad. They're just, and so when you say, when you're like giving him a ha, 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 you got divorced, divorce is so bad, then that's right. stigmatizing the divorce, which you don't necessarily believe or want to do. Ain't, you know, like for, like as if 
getting divorced is some horrible thing that happens to you versus maybe the right thing to do. You know, yeah. and some people don't yeah. believe that, but the, some some people that do believe that are then st- you know turning right right back around and and using it as a way to, you know, what do you call that? Right. Schadenfreude or whatever. Like ha ha ha, it's a justice. You get what you deserve, like that kind of thing. So even some of the people on them that, that have harmed are defending him as well. So I find all that complexity interesting. It's just it's so wrapped up in. This is what is interesting. God, I got to quit saying the word interesting. This is what is fascinating to me. <laughs> is, it, it really is the idea that you do people want the truth. And when you get the truth, is it just for your fodder and for yeah, your anger right. and for your outrage? That's the in, world we live yeah, in. Yeah, that's, that's right? mainly what it's for. Yeah. Nobody cares right. about this guy. Nobody. No, you don't that get, doesn't no, know him cares about him. Stop pretending like you do. You don't. You don't care about him right. good or bad. It's just something that floats through your universe to give you something to grab onto and bite and say, I don't know. I mean, we all do that, but that's what it is. And the worst part, I'd see people talking like, just like the devil's got him or the devil, you know, like, like this is simply just, man, the Satan's been working so hard on this guy. I haven't heard from him in 20 years, but man, he, the Satan finally got him. Yeah. And, and now we've lost another brother to hell forever. And it just seems like, man, what a terrible fear tactic. And I would never ever, if I wasn't a Christian, ever think, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll take, wait, when you make a mistake or your life changes, um, you you don't ever get to go to the good place. You only burn forever. Like what what incentive is it for me to become a Christian or to think about it? God's, if any mistakes you make, you severely pay culturally in the public view and in eternity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, 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 if that's what Christianity is selling, nobody really wants it. Nobody wants to because everybody listening makes mistakes. Needs, there's things that you did 20 years ago that, that you shouldn't have and maybe you should apologize for or maybe re- seek some redemption well, in Some that. mistakes are 10 years long, though. You know? Yeah. So there's still mistakes. mistakes. That's don't what I'm listen saying. to what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I don't know. I mean, if it was a Christian pastor that wrote this book and was trying to get back, it, it, it would look a lot different than what he's doing. Yeah. You know? So the trying to get back part is weird, isn't it? I always think that's weird. Okay, I'm going to take a second and tell you something that I think you already know, and that is hiring used to be really hard, or it is hard if you don't have ZipRecruiter because you've got to do multiple job sites, stacks of resumes. There's a, you know, the review process alone, how much time should you spend on it? A little, a lot, who knows? But today, hiring can be easy because you only have to go to one place to get it done. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash badchristian. So... Think about it this way. What ZipRecruiter is going to do is take your one job that's so important to you, and they're going to send it to over 100 of the leading job boards, and they're not going to stop there. They're going to match. They have powerful matching technology that's going to find the right people. They're going to scan thousands of resumes, thousands, which think of how long it take you to do that, to find people with the right experience that's going to invite them to apply to your job. So as the applications come in, ZipRecruiter is going to analyze each one and spotlight the top candidates so you're not going to miss a great match. And my favorite thing about this is just, I'd call it the proof in the pudding part. It's so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day what a relief that would be just in the just tomorrow by late tomorrow the next day you might have a qualified candidate in fact four out of five chance that you will and right now our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address ZipRecruiter.com slash bad christian that's ZipRecruiter.com slash b-a-d-c-h-r-i-s-t-i-a-n ZipRecruiter.com slash bad christian ZipRecruiter the smartest way to hire Hunter are you there 
Hey guys. Uh, hey, what's going on, Hunter? Nothing much, man. How are you guys? We're doing very, very. You joined good. us at the right time. We're talking about Josh Harris and his uh, <laughs> public view right now, and and uh, we have Hunter Fred- Frederick on, and uh, right here, Hunter. I, I I want you to describe it, but the way we have it in our Google Doc is Hunter Frederick, crisis management publicist. Yeah, that is. That's it, my, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's so weird. You know, it's it. it it's hard to explain, but yeah, I mean, basically, if you want to break it down, that's that's what it is. Well, so when somebody is in crisis, and we're, I'm assuming we're t- talking about their per- public persona and the way the you know society and the culture and the people around them, the fans uh, view them, they call you when some something bad happens, shit hits the it, fan, right? Exactly, exactly, exactly. And you, just to be clear, you don't represent Josh Harris. No, I actually uh, would it be. Horrible if I said I don't know who that is. Okay, yes. No, it wouldn't be horrible, but let me explain. It's just what we happen to be talking about that's relevant. But uh, Joshua Harris is the guy that wrote the book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Um, oh, yeah, He had the yeah, courtship yeah. thing, and then he came out recently and said he's getting divorced. Um, as, you know, essentially, his whole plan of courtship and whatever seems to have not worked out, and people are gloating and glad that he has failed and done the damage he's done with contributing to purity culture or whatever. And then now he's also come out in the coming weeks, the following weeks and said that he's no longer Christian anymore. And he's just having to, you know, do some version of telling the truth and hunkering down, or I don't know what the terminology would be in your uh, field or whatever, but obviously he's in a, a, the type, you know, who knows what his goals are and stuff like that, but it would be from a brand point of view or profession or a Christian yeah. leader or something like that. It's, it's just a crisis like thing. For him, it seems. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I just got uh, someone, a friend of mine, actually just texted me about that last night, two nights ago, uh, and I didn't click on the link because it. I just heard kissing, dating, goodbye, and I said that looks stupid, so I ignored it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so who are some of the clients that you have had? And I'm, I'm really curious of like what type of situations call for what you do. So we handle my background actually is in ministry and then I moved to Hollywood. And so on the Hollywood side of things, I represented Lindsay Lohan, Amanda Bynes, Gwyneth Paltrow. I've worked on some of the Marvel movies, Uh, but then realizing my ministry background, I realized there was a kind of this whole missing aspect of pastors in crisis. And we don't talk about churches in crisis because everything's sunshine and unicorns. Uh, So on the pastoral side of things, we represented, you know, Perry Noble, um, Rick Warren, uh, Tullian, and just some other churches that have kind of going through crisis as a whole, or even church mergers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's before we even get to that, let's. I'm interested in the Amanda Bynes, Lindsay Lohan. Like, what are those calls like when you get them? I mean, I guess it's, is it. It may not be as dramatic as it is in my head, but it's like 2 a.m. You get an email. There's yeah, a so I mean, picks every once we got to get it. We have to have a narrative on by the press conference <laughs> yeah. in the morning. Is it like that? Uh, I, I, I won't lie. I'm on 24-7, and I've gotten the phone call at 2 a.m. for sure. Uh, my, you know, with the Lindsay Lohan stuff, I met Lindsay when I, in 2010, when I actually worked for her publicist when I moved to L.A. and worked at the, the PR firm that she hired. So that's kind of how I got introduced to her originally. Uh, but there's definitely the 2 a.m. phone calls, the... I'm hanging out with friends. I look at my phone and say, Hey, I got to go. And just my friends kind of know that something must be going on. And then, you know, in a few hours they watch the news and they figure it out, but it's not always that, but for sure it happens every once in a while. When that does happen, what is the, what is the procedure? Like how do you onboard like the facts on the ground and then change them quickly? Or like, what, how do you think about that? 
Well, if it's, it, it depends on the situation. If it's, you know, if I'm local in an area and I get a phone call about something, you know, and, and I, you know, I represent, um, I'm on the crisis communication team for some universities. So if I happen to be in the area and I get a phone call, um, I'll kind of go down there immediately and figure out what's going on. But more often than not, I get a phone call and it's someone that it's not necessarily pressing emergency within the next hour or two hours. So I have some time to to get facts together and figure stuff out. We actually have a pretty hardcore vetting process on our end, um, especially when it comes to the faith based stuff, because we don't want to get involved in situations where, uh, you know, there's kind of sexual immorality, like from a, a sexual misconduct, sexual abuse, that kind of thing. We We do our due diligence to make sure that. If we're taking on somebody, we believe in them and we know they're telling the truth and we can actually support them. So we, how can you know that, though? That's that's, uh, you know, like that, I mean, let me give you I, I don't know how familiar you are with the show, but, you know, this should be a fun conversation because we kind of have a reputation here of just being, well, I don't know, maybe frankly, similar to the opposite of what you do. We're just trying to do commentary and figure out what's really going on, minus the spin, like and play with that boundary. That's kind of our playground, if you will, a little bit. So that's why I find this fascinating. But how, I mean, I've been around a lot of pastors and ministry people, and they're some of the people that are the least easy to know if they're telling the truth. How would you ever know? Well, okay. So I would actually, I'd say we actually are probably on the same page. I, I We are not this, I think the biggest misconception of what we do is, is that we are here to lie or spin or, or hide the truth or get stuff taken down from websites. That's not what we do because at the end of the day, especially from a pastoral standpoint, is the same mistake is going to happen. We don't just handle PR. The crisis management side is we actually figure out what is what is happening, why you did what you did, what's going on. We have a team of mental health professionals that work with us, um, private investigators. My security contractor is a former Navy SEAL and FBI agent. Every client that I take on, I run an FBI level background check on. Um, oh. And to be quite honest, we've done this for a while. I, I know when people are lying to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially pastors, you know, we get the phone call on there. They're kind of embarrassed and they're like, you know, I've I've had some you know, moral failures and sexual improprieties. I'm like, no, bitch, you put your penis where it shouldn't have been. Let's just call it how it is. Like, (laughs) you know, and it's, we've done this for so long that nothing shocks us. And we, we've gone through the process and we just, we know. And I'd say about 80% of all the inquiries we get in our office, I'll actually take a conversation with and uh, whether it be in person or over the phone, but I'd say about 40% of those people we turn away because there, there's no way we can't verify their story. We think that they're lying. Um, and I know you, I know you have background with Mark Driscoll mm-hmm. who is infamous with yeah. someone that we wouldn't even touch. Okay. Yeah. Let's honest. talk about that then for a minute. What, what yeah. that's, that's very specific. So I wanted to ask you a bunch of questions, even in what you're already saying, like um, you're saying 40% of the people, when you talk to them, you have to have this moment with them where you're like, Oh, okay. Well, you, if you're not going to come clean and actually tell me, then I can't, of course I can't help you. See you. Like, is it like that? Yeah, I mean, we have a one strike lie policy. Okay. So if you lie to me, we're done. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it, it, we part of what makes us successful is we can anticipate things that are coming down the pipeline. So our best clients say, hey, this isn't out yet. But just so you know, this potentially could come out. And we are already thinking about that ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And we're already creating a plan. Uh, but then when clients pop stuff on us, you know, very last minute, I, I'm not too happy. <laughs> so what's your view on on Mark Driscoll um, but as a as a person, celebrity, whatever, or really, I mean, I would say media PR spin genius. In my yeah, opinion, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, so based, I think honestly, most of what I know about Mark, I've actually heard on this podcast. Oh, so okay. <laughs> take that for what it is. Uh, I do know that back in the day, he hired someone very similar to me, uh, and that person didn't last long. They let him go pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we we all talk to one another. We all know what's going on. You know who's a pain in the ass and all that stuff. So uh, I think I got a phone call at one point. that said, Hey, would you be interested? And I, I said, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. Cause I think there's a, I think all pastors have a certain level of narcissism involved. Um, I think you just have to have that to be able to have the gall to be able to speak on a stage every week. But we agree with about Mark, that. Yeah. With Mark, I think it, from what I've heard, it's, it's, it's a, it's a beyond approach kind of mentality and almost a godlike complex. And, mm-hmm. We we don't do well with those people because I, I for my own safety I don't I, I think I might strangle them so we don't my team is very careful about who I I would pull in um, but you know actually my my mom lives right down the road from a church that I've always kind of had issues with and the other day they uh, had a big billboard that Mark was speaking and I looked mm-hmm. at it and I said yep that sounds about right mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that's refreshing so, so, to hear that there's a, there's that line there. But and I think you've referred to narcissism in a pretty healthy way. I've got some. I mean, you you know we, you know we, we all, all have do. we all we have all that do. to some yeah. degree. But there's a yeah. degree when it becomes disordered or closer to right. a personality disorder. Right. I'm not right. diagnosing. Uh, but, do you yeah. find that uh, like when you work with people in the religious world compared to like actors or actresses, are who's more are are the pastors? more hidden do you have to pry stuff out of them more or are you know like is it easier to handle Lindsay lohan and whatever's going on in her life as opposed to the pastor situation i would take five Lindsay lohans over <laughs> one mega church pastor Why? any day tell us more about uh, that c- celebrities know the impact of their behavior they they, oh. they understand the celebrity world they understand how news works um pastors don't and not only that half the time they uh, feel that they're above reproach. They feel that, you know, well, I'm one of the chosen. I'm holy. I, I, right. you know, I don't need to Needed. listen to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and half the time we're called when on the pastoral and we're called by a lawyer, uh, not by them specifically. Cause it's, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to, they're ashamed. They don't want to admit they screwed up. Right. Um, and so it's, and it, it becomes, a pain in the ass. Now, saying that, I will say Perry Noble is by far, hands down, one of my absolute favorite clients I've ever represented. <laughs> um, okay, so how do we distinguish between Perry Noble and Mark Driscoll? I mean, those a lot of people have them in the very same category. And what a do fun they? story, yeah. Perry. Well, and by some, yeah, like failed mega church pastor controversy. I mean, I, I, you know, I've spoken to both of them, right, and and feel like I know them as very different people. But nonetheless, they're both just you know scandal, very high on some of the narcissism stuff and, you know, need for importance and power. And I mean, those things are familiar. They seem, it seems that way to me. Yeah. I I mean, I I will tell you when, when Perry called me, uh, the, the humility and the vulnerability I heard in his voice was, was profound. Um, you know, he, he did all the work he, you know, and then I, and I, I should say I was, Perry hired us, Way after all the New Spring stuff, after he had gone into rehab, we were hired to help him communicate his divorce filing. Um, and so by the point that we had him, he had done everything to repent, to apologize, to, you know, make things better. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, the very first phone conversation I had with him, he said, Hunter, you're the expert. I'm not going to argue with you. Tell me what I need to do. And I, I've never heard that from any of our pastor clients ever. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to, they want to dictate every single thing I do. And I, you know, it's listen, like you either hire me right. or you do it on your own. Mm-hmm. That's undriscoll like, I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting. We had him on the podcast and literally like a week or two later is when the whole thing hit and, and he was pretty guarded and even so, so much so that they actually called us and didn't want us to release the episode just because we had mentioned a, a little bit of, I forget what it was, but, um, but now he he's back. That's what, like, do you feel like when when somebody like Perry Noble, you said it was through the divorce or something like that, but somebody like Tully and Chavidjian, or I always mess it, butcher his last name. <laughs> Honey, we, we represent him, but we don't even know how to say his last name. Right. So <laughs> but, but a lot of the pastor stuff is usually, like you said, they, they say moral failure. Uh, you know, it's usually like cheating on their spouse or something like that. Right. What, when they, when, when the lawyer calls you or the pastor calls you, what are they asking you to do? They want you to make sure people like them more. Like, what is it? What are they hoping you do for them? Oh, gosh, that's a loaded question. I think, yeah. you know, sometimes you, you get every once in a while you hear about these pastors that aren't like famous pastors, but they do something really stupid. Um, I think like, was it the, the, the youth pastor in Ohio that like spit on his kids for the crucifixion reenactment or something like that? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that is, you know, we'll get a phone call and they just want us like, we're getting phone calls at 2 a.m. nonstop. Please help us. And yeah. sometimes they just need someone to reach out to the news media and say, Hey, we're covering that. So can you please leave them alone and let them sleep for a minute so we can handle all those inquiries? I think someone on, on the Perry Noble level, I think he needed Perry needed to restart to to kind of put the past behind him and to move forward with his life. Because I think there are some people that would want Perry to be a Walmart greeter for the rest of his life. But to be right. honest, he's, you know, he's gone through, he's repented, he's seek treatment, he's been sober for a long time. He's sober really- working steps. Oh yeah, totally, totally. I mean, I mean, I can't like not, continually. Like he's staying in the program as as of now, as far as you uh, know. I so I, currently I don't represent him, so I can't say that officially or not. Uh, when I worked with them, he was you know had, was doing everything he needed to do, um, and so I, at that point he he just he wants to move forward. He wants to move past this. He wants to move on, regardless of what that looks like. And for Perry, it was starting a new church. Mm-hmm. Um, so our job was kind of just to mitigate all the divorce talk and say, "Hey, this is a private matter," so that he could actually focus on you know rebuilding and reorganizing and restructuring his church. What outlets are you taking over in that situation? Like, is it social media? Like, are you reaching out to News Central Four, local news, or what? What is? What are the outlets you're going for when you take over somebody like Perry Noble's situation? So the first thing we do when we take on a client is we actually, we work with a media monitoring service in New York. And so we basically say, hey, we've got this person, pull everything you have on them. It's basically Google Alerts, but on steroids. So it it covers magazines, newspapers, radio, television. Um, And the first thing we do is we sift through every news coverage that's happened with our client. Um, And then from there, we build a media list of all of the journalists that are covering our clients. And then we reach out to them individually saying, hey, we now represent so and so on a PR level. Well, you know, reach out to us if we have any questions or whatever. And we keep that open line. And that's critical for us. We have to have that that positive relationship with journalists. Uh, Perry was interesting because not only was it covered in the Christian media, but it was also covered in the local media market. Uh, So we had a little bit of both. Uh, Depending on the situation, it could be either or. Um, but we, we kind of had a mixture of both national press, even Washington post, uh, was on the list as well. So 
Is it a thing like when you reach out to the media or they want to do an interview? Is does he like how do you go about his statement? Does is it something that he wants to say and y'all go no 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 you're gonna blow it? I, I mean your your goal is to make him as likable as possible. Is that like y'all's goal? Sort of. Perry again was very do what you need to do, you know, and and honestly for a pastor that's a big deal, right? Because they're they're so used, their job is to talk. So for a pastor to say, hey, write something for me to say is a big deal, I feel like. Uh yeah. not everyone is like that. Um yeah. with Perry specifically, we actually I did not want Perry to do any interviews. Um I think I think Bad Christian Podcast might have been the last one. It was right before I got hired, but I think yeah. we were talking, I said I don't want him to do anything after that for a while. Um, and then we did a big sit down interview with the local newspaper that was really hounding him. Um, but between Bad Christian and the newspaper, he had no press as, as at least doing an interview. I was releasing statements, but uh, we I didn't want him to talk. I wanted him to he needed to kind of reset. He needed to focus on his family, rebuilding that his new church. Uh, you know, sometimes we don't need to do big sit down interviews. Sometimes that's why people hire me to to kind of play the middleman. Mm-hmm. So um, how how do you, I guess there's another level to it, but I, I totally understand that. And I, I guess that thing that makes sense with Perry Noble and for sure a distinction with, with Driscoll in that regard. But it's funny because the time we ran across him was, you know, weeks before a collapse. So that was the guy we were talking to, the guy at the edge, man. Now, you know, look back at it. Yeah, we haven't talked to a, re, a redemptive person yeah. yet and, and with Perry. Like we talked to him at the end, like right before right. all of this came out. still holding it all so. up, you know. And right. So, yeah. That yeah. Was, yeah. so we got the real spooks in a way talking to him because it was so charismatic and good in person. And then right after that, his team called us like, you can't air that interview and stuff. And we were like, well. Oh, yeah. Oh, did you I work with his publicist? Because she was really mad at us. Yeah, she was really mad <laughs> at us. Wait, wait, okay, time out. First of all, I had no idea you had PR before me. I would yeah. have yeah. never done that to you guys. I love you guys. <laughs> you guys are, I'll tell you, you guys are intimidating. I don't get nervous before interviews. I'm nervous for <laughs> So, uh, you know, I, I would have never done that because my, my whole thing is, and that's the big misconception is that we're out here to like take stuff down and lie. Listen, if it's been said, if it's been recorded, if there's evidence, it's your job to run it and my job to figure out how I'm going to figure it out on the other end. Um, so I would have never silenced that. Uh, and I think that's a really rookie mistake. It seemed yeah. like um, a mistake. Cause I thought at the time what was so crazy about it was they were like, we want you to not air this. And, and all I knew to say was, well, you know, I, I suppose I could, we could not air it, but if we don't air it, and this is how we got them to air it. I told the, the publicist, I said, yeah, okay, well we won't, we won't air it. But we will tell everybody that we did this interview. We'd already told people, you, you yeah, know, that he was you, coming on. You didn't air yeah. it. And I'm going to talk about, I can say whatever I want about my experience talking to Perry and how y'all wanted to do about not airing it. So that's fine. We won't air it. Guess what I'm going to talk about next week? You know? Oh, not, gosh. Not airing it. How could I not? It yeah. would be past my integrity to be just, oh, you know, they can never do that. So if you're going to force my hand there, which I would have accepted... Well, then I'd, it, I almost the interesting thought thing be about it too is that, on the other end to not release it. It would look oh, yeah, worse then, for him. And so, you know. The thing that was, that was crazy was that he, it was a great interview. Like, I thought yeah. he looked great. Like, w- when we got done with the interview, we liked Perry Noble 10, 20, 30% more. I was like, oh, you know what? As a pastor, that guy's pretty legit. And then immediately the phone rings like, oh, we can't air it or whatever. I think it was over. They didn't want us to talk about money or something like that. And was. so it was a whole different issue or whatever. But that that is what I, was, I wanted to lead into. What what does draw you to this though? Like it it does seem as if people would think that you just create lies, and but it sounds like you're you're saying you're more of like a storyteller or a uh, a, a a friend that helps somebody not seem as bad. Like how do you 
clarify your job to people and that you just don't make up, you just don't hide Lindsay Lohan being drunk at a club or something like that. What, uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I'll, so I'll say this, this is, and this is really spiritual deep, I guess. I, um, I moved to Los Angeles, didn't have, I, I walked in with two, two suitcases, had nowhere to live, um, got this internship at this amazing PR firm by a whim because they happened to have a faith and family division in their, in their firm. Um, because I worked at a church once upon a time, they hired me. Uh, I was blowing through work super fast. Uh, and I went to my boss. And I said, listen, I moved across the country to be here. I'm bored. I need something else to do. I don't care if I have to do the grunt work, but I want to work on the weekends. I want to, I want to do something. And my boss said, what, what aspect of PR do you like? I said, I don't know, but I love the scandal. I love the crisis. I love the idea of redemption, of being able to help people. And that probably comes from my relationship with Jesus. The fact that, you know, there, there's grace and redemption and all of that. Uh, and my mm-hmm. boss said, well, Lindsay Lohan is in the conference room next door. Uh, <laughs> do you want me to have a conversation with her publicist? And I said, sure. And I grew I mean, Lindsay and I are the same age. Uh, grew up watching all the all the mess happen live in person before I even knew what PR was. And I went in thinking I was going to be this like, oh, guys, guess who I work with? I work for Lindsay Lohan. I went in, I shook her hand, and I just saw dead in the eyes. Oh, wow. And my heart sank. And that's when I started undoing this lie that we have in our culture where celebrities are actually people like, yeah, yeah, they may have money. They're not living, you know, in a, you know, in some crazy shitty place in Mexico, uh, you know, but they, they still hurt the way that we all hurt. They still desire intimacy and relationship that we all do. And, you know, so many of these Christians are trying like banging at the door of Hollywood being like, let me in, let me in. Let me tell this truth. By the way, your client's a sinner. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, I have an opportunity to like help this girl on the worst day of her life from the inside. There's no one else here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was what was really hard for me is I'm like, wow, this these people hurt. Like this isn't just some we've not created this, you know, DUI accident for PR. It's, you know, this shit happened and it sucks. And how can we how can we fix it? How can we where's the redemption in this? It feels so crazy because you're you're meeting people like when they are very scared they're gonna lose it all, right? Like that I, that weight has to be terrible to carry. Are, are you okay with it? I've so I do have a therapist full time and I have a great <laughs> team of people around me. Yeah. The sad it. thing is is that you get numb up to it over the years, especially in yeah. ministry. Like, you know, there's only so many things a pastor can do to screw up. Um, so, you know, half the time I'm on the phone and I feel like they are fully expecting me to like have a pen and paper and I'm writing all these details down and half the time I'm like on my phone, phone playing fruit ninja. Cause I've heard the story 300 times. Right. Um, what is but, it? Boinking the secretary every time. Boinking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it's, you know, I've learned to separate, you know, people tend to call me on the worst day of their life mm-hmm. or what they think it is. Yeah. Um, and my, my job is like, it, this is not the worst day of your life. It's the the weeks coming up um, because if, if people think that they're hiring us to cover stuff under the rug, that is not, we, that's not how we operate. Uh, you're, you're dragging stuff into the light. You're, you're exposing the truth and you're, we're going to walk you through it. We're going to be there on the other side, but you know, we're not, we're not the people you call when you want something to be hidden or you want to pay somebody off. 
Well, Hunter, you've already backed me off on some of my more extreme thoughts on what I would think about you here. So you, you, know, you I, need I, not I, be intimidated. But I, yeah. I listened to a couple podcasts of you a little bit beforehand, and I kind of knew that's where that's a misconception that everyone has. I don't blame you, but I, I kind of came in prepared. <laughs> well, I was I expect that you did, Hunter. <laughs> I expect you. So would be I got okay. I got a few questions, just PR wise. So yeah. one is, what is like, man, y'all like your job seems like. Do, do y'all have? specific tiers or goals that you go, oh, wow, we, we nailed that one. Like you get a celebrity in and they, you know, whatever it is, drunk driving or cheated on their spout, whatever. Is, is, is a job well done that it went away within two weeks? Is a job well done that they repaired their career and are back in the movies business quickly? Like what, what do you think? Or, or, or is it lower than that? Like what, what is your stipulation for, man, we, we kicked ass on this one. Uh, it sounds so dumb, but I, it really all boils down to my gut. I, 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 I can see when the aha moment happens. I can tell when an interviewer is, you know, covering a client. I can tell when that switch gets flipped. When they're like, "Okay, you're 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 on the right track. You're doing better." And it's not. We don't have any milestones. We don't have goals that we set usually. Um, for me, it all boils down to if I watch a client do a live interview on television, especially, um, and I watch their nerves calm down, I watch the journalists interact on a really positive level. You just, you know, you know that this interview is going well. And once I see that, I know that if I do more of those, it, little by little, I turn the public around on mm-hmm. the perception of a particular person. Okay. Let me see if I can make sense of my new thoughts that are different in the last twenty minutes. Okay. I, I'm going to be. I'm going to be able you to. You are good at your job, Hunter. Yeah, no, you, changed, you already worked Matt Very all the way over. I'm going to tell you how I've already <laughs> changed my point of view and see things in a new, updated way. Um, so when you said that about Lindsay Lohan being in that conference room and it's a person and it's all that, I very much understand that. I, I have that experience here. That and I'm always trying to explain. I know nobody cares about me, but that's not the point. You know, like I have a life, I'm a person and people know me and then people also know me in some other avatar kind of way from this podcast. And that isn't, I'm not saying you don't know me. I'm not being defensive. I'm just saying, well, you just, I fit into your world in a way that's not necessarily reality. And I may be important in your world. I don't know, but that's not the same thing as who I am as a real person to the people I really know. And so... PR is, I would like to say PR is not necessary and everybody just needs to tell the truth. That is what I wish was true. That is my philosophy. I'm trying to live as, do everything I can to live in reality and whatever is said, I can deal with it if it's true, if it's reality. And I want to be on those terms. I want to be as calibrated as possible. So PR fundamentally bothers me because it seems like it's trying to not do that. But if it's true that the Lindsay Lohan doesn't need to hide anything from anybody she knows, and she should have be able to tell the total truth as a grounded person to everybody in her life that she knows. Then there's that whole public thing. That's just different. That's just something else. And in that right. world, since no, these people cannot know Lindsay Lohan, they have to interact with her, and most of them love to hate her, think she's an idiot, or they love her work so much that they give right. her all the benefit of the doubt. And that is the land that everybody lives in, that PR is, is a necessity there. Basically, it's a necessity because it's not a real person on the media. There is a real person, but that is not the real person on an interview or or whatever else. So the PR thing is a gap in the ability for everybody to know the total amount of real truth about a person. It's a summarized version of the person that can try to help embody them and have them be more of a real person, if done correctly. (laughs) 
Yeah, but I mean, I think that the, the big difference is, is that there are some things that just aren't for public consumption. So, for example, when I represented Lindsay, Lindsay got engaged. Lindsay did not want the world to know that she was engaged. Mm-hmm. And so when I was asked about it, I said, no, she's not engaged. She wanted to wait. I think whether you want to call that lying or not, I think that there's a right to privacy that mm-hmm. to a certain level. I mean, I know that they're public figures and they're celebrities and everyone's going to give me that crap. But, you know, to an extent, you know, whether or not one of my clients, uh, you know, is getting a divorce or all that stuff, that's not that's not public consumption. Like, that's a private matter. And my job is to be like, OK, I understand that's a private matter, but we do need to say something because there's interest Here's how I would recommend that we do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a little bit of that. And I would also say then I think the definite your definition of public relations is probably slightly off. It literally is just how people relate to certain organizations. So, I mean, you guys run a podcast. You guys are constantly doing PR. Mm-hmm. You got your advertiser sponsors. So, I mean, I think it's necessary. I would even say to pastors that are all like church, PR and churches, it's awful. You are communicating a message from the front of your stage or your pulpit when you break the definition down, that's technically public relations. Mm-hmm. You know, there's obviously a huge difference between that and like bringing in oh, news. So it's crews. already public relations, though. It's not that you're, you're you come in to do public, public relating is already the state of affairs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, okay. it's it's how you or someone relates to publics, and right. it's publics are your audience. Mm-hmm. So that speaks to the level of meta interaction between the celebrity and the consumer and stuff like that. There's that whole world where that person's avatar exists that is not the person nor the other person, but it's just simply the public intersubjective space. Right. And, okay. it, and it has to it has to exist. Otherwise, there's no the, the celebrity world doesn't exist. And it's already it managed exist. inherently. So the fact that you're being strategic at any given point does not necessarily in, inherently violate yeah, any ethics or anything like that well and that's what sucks too is because i think the, the nation the notion of hollywood has changed over the years where before social media before camera phones hiding scandals was so easy and the norm was to hide stuff under the rug mm-hmm. now there's this whole generation of pr people that are coming on board where we're realizing that we can't do that anymore that's good. and um how to and we're taking the brunt of it because we're having to lay out the land for the new folks of how this is how we have to handle things now. And, and, you know, we can't, every, everyone knows everything. So we can't, we can't hide anymore. So what's good though. So now the ethical questions where I am undecided are, is it, I mean, I feel like it is good that everything comes out though. My suspicion is I wish every politician had a dick pic out there so we could get over it type (laughs) type of thing, not suppress that more. Like, yeah, they all have sex with people. Sometimes it's not their wife and whatever their, and their past certainly contains a million disqualifying things. If you happen to be a human, then I assume your past includes disqualifying things for whatever you do, whether or not it's recorded or not. And it's going to be in the future and all that. So moving all that forward, Seems like a good thing. It seems like it makes PR healthier because at least it now has to. I mean, it used to be able to be more deeply unethical. So you're forced. That's a good pressure, right? Yeah, and I mean, I think too. There's kind of my job is twofold a little bit. So I've got the the regular PR, the publicist. That's my job. But I'm known for taking on the really hard clients, and that's where the crisis manager side kind of comes into play. Arguably, I'm more of a crisis manager than I am a publicist because the clients that I represent, I don't I don't put myself in a position. I don't represent clients where like I'm having to to create those lies. I'm getting the phone calls from when that shit doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we're a specialized breed of publicists. There's a handful of us out there. There's maybe like four of us that do it in the faith world. Um, But 
that that that's kind of the difference is, is I don't put myself into a position often where I'm having to do those what I would call stupid white lies mm-hmm. uh, that don't really matter because the clientele we represent, I've, I've, uh, it's already known. I've, we've already been busted. We can't lie anymore because everyone already knows. Okay. Well, um, how are you okay, different? So I'm sorry, Ted. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say it's in you. All, you get you guys are uh, well, Hunter. You're changing my mind too because there is something there. Like when you were saying she didn't want people to know that she got engaged. She does not owe that information to us. And I just typed in Lindsay Lohan and went to news, right? And right. immediately comes up, Lindsay Lohan just cut her hair. Shortest it's been in years. You know, that was like an hour ago, whatever. Lindsay Lohan's hair will take, like, it, then it goes on, uh, Wendy Williams shades Lindsay Lohan for diva behavior. And then it, it, it's Lindsay Lohan's uh, cl- beach club going to be closing. I was thinking, man, constantly Lindsay Lohan is being used uh, to make money and to get people, yeah. you know, and so she doesn't owe me also the information of her engagement. Like that, that is one thing. Like there is some, there must be some kind of level where you're like, wait a minute, you get so much into Lindsay Lohan. I'm just using her as an example. Right. We get so much knowledge about her life for just entertainment, not for care, not for help, not for anything for her, but it's just from my, like mm-hmm. me, my personal entertainment can't she craft a little bit to protect some of her? Can't she, you know, I do think that's, that is fair. And I, but I do agree with you, Matt, on the opposite side. If, if you saw all of Lindsay Lohan's stuff, you wouldn't care as much and maybe it could be healthier. But well, I wonder, yeah. Hunter, I wanted to ask you too, how does that play out now with, uh, and you said, you know, you, I know you guys are one of the handful of Christian faith based. How are uh, PR companies, I'm assuming there's tons of PR firms that are getting hired especially in wake of Me Too movement. And they are, I mean, those they have clients who have done stuff in their past, like a potentially like a, a Ryan Adams or somebody. He, they are, are folks like that, men like that, hiring PR firms? Preemptively to, because they yeah, already just, know just they're doing something like, bad. Trying to say, yet, I mean, yeah. and those are PR firms yeah. are going to just charge them more or just take the case? I, so I won't say that that doesn't happen. Uh, I've yet to run into a, I've, we, and we've had this conversation amongst publicists as a whole. Uh, I've yet to know a publicist that's taken on a me too, like someone that's been accused. Um, I've probably had a handful of people call me, uh, say that they've been, you know, quote unquote accused of sexual misconduct. We do the same vetting process that we do with everybody. And for several reasons, I've just, I can't rep them. Most of the time it is because I can't validate their story. Um, and you know, honestly, it's at the end of the day, if I've got a pastor that is abusing somebody sexual or not, yeah. uh, that's where I draw the line a little bit, you know, and I'm like, you know what? I don't know if we want to work with you. I don't know if we want to do stuff with you. Um, and there's not, I don't have a checklist. It really is much in my gut. Like, yes, we can help this person. It is. I like to think I have a high level of discernment. Um, and we'll just say no, and I don't have to give a reason. I don't have to give my team a reason. It's, it's, it's a no, we're not going to mm-hmm. we're not going to go there. Um, so there are people that are that are seeking out PR firms. I don't think I don't think much many. I think you'd be you'd be hard up for money to be willing to, uh, I think, take on a client that's been accused of sexual misconduct in this in this time right now. But does somebody like Harvey Weinstein hire a PR no matter what? And he just goes, I'll, I'll have to pay quadruple as much money. But the, there is a firm probably representing him. Oh yeah, think? Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah. I, well, I, no, I know there is, but uh, there's, uh, there's. I will tell you that in, since the Harvey Weinstein stuff broke, I think he's gone through three or four Yikes. firms. Wow. Um, 
I'd yeah, because there's third and, or fourth on that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, my my hunch is is that there's probably a lack of transparency, mm-hmm. and that's why people are letting him go. It means there's uh, more worse stuff in there than we know. Is all that means? Yeah, or or he's just not willing to you know own that he screwed up. Mm-hmm. You know, since you see it through this lens, how do you like? What if there's stories about like like the Aziz Ansari? Who said, you know, maybe he was just being like some people say he was being abusive. Some people say he was just being a shitty date that, or, you know, like, do you see how, how do you view that now through the lens of somebody that says, oh, I, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't really do anything. But now somebody's accusing me of something or not even sexual. What about somebody like Kevin Hart, who, you know, a year or so ago went through the whole his past Twitter um, seemed very homophobic and he kind of apologized for it and seems like he's, uh, you know, sorry, but has moved on pretty quickly. How do you, do you view that differently now? Because it, the lens that you go through is public persona and trying to save his career and all that stuff. Do you, do you also see it like, man, he didn't really do anything or he did do something? I don't know if I'm making sense there, but like, yeah, no. So here's the dirty side of Hollywood that a lot of people don't realize the whole PR Hollywood news game is very uh, it's it's a 100 percent like a used relationship. Uh, there have been and I've been guilty of this. I don't do it so much anymore just because of the clientele I represent. I have leaked stories about my clients that would perceive negative to gossip columns just so that my client's name is published more and is written more. Because that ultimately just builds up more CEO. It gets them to the top of Google. And then I figure out how to figure out the little minutia at the end of it. Um, A lot of the scandals that you see that appear to be somewhat minor, I would hesitate to say is crafted by their publicists. Our job is to get press attention, good or bad. Mm. So some Um, of them are whole fabrications in in themselves. Oh, oh, totally. Or they, they blow it out of the water or they make things worse. Um, we didn't do this with Lindsay, but I know that this happened in the past where Lindsay got to a point where she felt like her whole brand was this wild child. And so she told her publicist at that time, run on that, you know, get paparazzi to, to get pictures of me smoking a cigarette or, you know, yeah, no underwear getting out of a car. That's on purpose. You know, that's on purpose. Yeah. Just, just to exasperate it and I have like 10 paparazzos in my phone that I can text right now and be like hey so and so is going to be at this location they're going to walk out in 10 minutes be there get some photos Um, you know it's it's I won't say it's all fake but Hollywood is just a big fake mess yeah no doubt about Um, it and we, we we play both sides, and so do the journalists. It's a it's a weird industry to be in, especially when you also operate in the faith world. Okay, so we had to pause right there then, and and take this to two other kind of things. If that is true, which of course I believe you, and almost everybody seems to understand Hollywood yeah. is fake. We get that, right? If that's true, but Hollywood is dominant, and Hollywood is successful, and this works, and it happens for a reason. Uh, we must also be able to very certainly know that churches and Christianity does exactly all of those things or are going to because they work. That is, There's no way that that is limited to Hollywood is what I'm saying. Of course, we yeah. can look at politics as well. You know, like these are these are the three worlds where this stuff happens, yeah. and the church tends to be behind. So maybe they're not doing the fake paparazzi league, but publicity stunts, publicity, the PR, the negative side of that. I mean, it, that occur- certainly there's a percentage of that in churches, and I would expect it to follow and trail Hollywood. I, you know, I, I, 
I don't know if I agree, not because of, I don't think, I. this is going to sound awful, I don't think that they're smart enough to do that, to be quite honest. So <laughs> not, here, yeah, that's honest. the follow part, though. But once it's yeah, outlaid so, by the, the things, they will adopt it. We've seen it over and over again. They will adopt my, the effective strategies for whatever it is. Yeah, and my biggest frustration is, and I, I'm saying this right now on the record, if you call me two weeks into a crisis and your internal communication lady who got her degree from the community college down the street mess stuff up, I'm charging double. <laughs> I I hate, I hate oh, when churches sure. just screw it up. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't, I honestly, God, do not think that they have the brains to think that far ahead. We don't do that. We don't, I mean, I won't even represent a pastor who's trying to hawk his book. Uh, that's just not on the Christian world. That's not where I, that's not my brand. That's not my business. But uh, I don't, I, I think churches try and they're just awful with it. Well, an example uh, would be Driscoll though. Like he did things that were clearly publicity stunts. And from on the inside, I, saw, I knew them about them before they occurred on the outside and they were just planned and like calendared and stuff. Like the, there was the one where he went to that John, uh, what's the guy's name? John MacArthur conference and tried to get in there and take them deliver his book to them out in oh, public yeah, yeah, in the yeah. parking lot and then it saw, and yeah, he got kicked out was... like he's trying to get kicked out and handing his book to get publicity to uh, take a swing at john MacArthur, who he's super buddy buddy with uh, okay <laughs> you know like right. n- again you're right most of these passages aren't smart enough well mark is he was mark he, mark yeah. is and he paid the price for it mm-hmm. uh, you know and i think there's you, you know you either have to have a smart pastor that knows how to play the system or you have to have someone on the inside that knows how to to coach the pastor to doing that. And I don't think that that happens too often. Uh, the community, again, I'm going to get busted for this, but most of the communication people in churches I work with are the dumbest people I've ever met. <laughs> um, and I just, I, oh, God, it just stresses me out so much. Uh, like, well, you know, the, the big thing is I see when churches have, have a scandal, they immediately delete their social media. And I'm like, well, now you just look guilty. Right. Um, you know, so it's, I, I don't think, and then you even see this too with a lot of pastors who get busted, like with celebrities, when you know, we kind of as publicists, as managers, as agents, we know like, okay, we need to make sure that like their records are moved from the white pages so people can't just like Google their phone number. Well, pastors don't know how to do that. So that's actually part of our secret is when we can't get a hold of a pastor because all these news agencies are calling them and they've deleted their social media, we dig out their home phone number, call them at dinner. Oh. And say, hey, listen, you might want to, you might want to have a conversation with us. Uh, but that's that's the whole thing. It's where it's like they don't they don't think that far ahead. They don't think that they're going to be in a scandal. They don't think they're going to be in a crisis. Mm-hmm. So they don't know how to kind of prepare. Pastors I love think, I think to have thing a too. feigned yeah. ignorance about like doing sound. Like they don't know how, anything about feedback. Right. right. They just love to wait yeah. and say, well, right. I don't know. How do I know? Right. <laughs> and I think pastors also oftentimes, especially I'm I'm mostly talking here in the evangelical world oftentimes surround themselves with people who are ignorant to what is really going on. So the people are, are kind of dumb to what's going on. They just think, Oh wait, this great guy, he, we should delete the Facebook because he's great. And that, you know, they just, they take the simplest road as opposed to really like you, it sounds like what you guys do is find out all the detail. Um, It sounds very similar to like what a lawyer does. I mean, I'm sure I know you work with lawyers, but it sounds like y'all really find out as much information as you can, what's coming, what's happened, what's going to happen all of that stuff so that so that you know and can present the narrative the story the way that it, it should be and the church oftentimes they probably are just behind the gun because they've just oh our pastor's awesome he probably right. wouldn't do that let's just well, let's protect 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 and the protection thing is what probably puts them in the hole even worse mm-hmm. like oh, it just yeah. you know just trying to make them look like oh we didn't do anything bad and then you find out oh yeah you did and then everybody yeah. looks like an idiot 
Yep. Hunter, how exactly. do you view politics? What's Sarah Huckabee Sanders versus you? <laughs> oh gosh, that didn't, I don't mean that. To that. Be a, I mean that's a, you know being. No, that was that was that was a. Uh, I yeah, give you the so, chance to differentiate, though. Is the point? <laughs> so yeah, she uh, the White House press secretary is probably the one of the hardest jobs ever. Got to be, yeah. Um, no matter what, where you sit, um. You know, it, it kind of it does run along the lines of you know you're actively, you know, protecting someone that you know is maybe a dummy. So there is that's kind of your fault, and you've you've elected to have that position. Uh, her job is to spin, and you know that's not every PR person's job, but her job is one hundred percent to spin. Okay, and is that is the politics is where all the good money is? Would you not want to do anything over there? I mean, that no, has to be we, so much scandal. No, uh, my mentor actually does uh, political PR solely, and she specifically told me not to, to like just stay away from it. There's also there's no redeem, redeeming quality in there. I mean, like right. I mean, honest to God, the reason I've done this is because I have a ministry background. I love Jesus. I think that everyone deserves a second chance, and I think that there are people that we assume have their shit together, and they actually don't. And I want to be one of those people that kind of say, hey, listen, like, we're going to walk this through. We're not going to hide it. We're going to you're going to face the music, but we're going to walk it through with you. Is she saying like the the politics is is just that that screwed up? Like, is it like everybody's just bad? Like the whole system it sounds like like we're saying with Hollywood that it's a, it's all a setup. Politics, same way. Like everybody's got a bunch of shit in their closet and you, the whole PR job is just try and hide it or craft something different. Uh, the di- I think the difference is, is that in politics, it actually matters. Right. Uh, Hollywood, it doesn't matter. It's all cosmetic. Uh, in politics, it, it matters. And yeah, there's a lot yeah. more. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot more deception that happens. I also think she probably just doesn't want any more people competition. She's like corner the marketing political PR. Right. But um, yeah, so it's it's yeah, I've never I've, I've done like some local mayoral campaigns, but like that's nothing scandal based. That's just communication based. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm I. I no desire to, to enter the world of politics, especially on a crisis level. I don't know if you can give us details, but was there ever a call and you got it and you're like, okay, I think they, they tell you a little bit and then you find out and it's the most shocking thing ever, like the hardest thing that you've ever had to fix. Like you were just shocked that a human could do something and you have working on it. Uh, so I have two. So I had, I had a pastor got caught masturbating at a Walmart parking lot. Man. And like, wasn't even a mega church pastor. So I was like, why are you calling me? Like, what do you want me to do? Like, right. And I'm like, call a lawyer at that point. Like, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. That and probably the most ridiculous thing that's happened is I don't know if you guys remember the uh, website Ashley Madison. Yeah. Yeah. It was a like, yeah. So uh, we. I mean, no, I don't remember it. Well, yeah. <laughs> what, what is so it? The, it's a it's a pay escort site. Oh, so you oh, go yeah, on, you, you create an oh, account. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we. Uh, uh, the the website anonymous hacked uh, Ashley Madison and got a list of everyone that had signed up, Ooh. and it kind of was getting out there that this list was available on the dark web, and there was this frantic run between PR people and journalists to get this list and to like run through it because we all knew that there had to be mm-hmm. some right. people on there with notoriety. So I started going through the list. I'm like trying to like, ooh, who's famous on here? What should we do with this? I started going through the list and I looked at the email column and I started seeing like. First Baptist Church of so and so, and First Presbyterian, and I'm like, please tell me these they people are not dumb enough address. to use yeah. their church email address. <laughs> uh, so then I looked at it, and I'm like, well, what the hell do we do with this? Do we call them? Do we? 
So I ended up calling my buddy at the Christian Let Post. Let them know. Said, it looks might- like you're in need of some crisis management. Well, so, <laughs> yeah, so what we did is we called, we called the Christian Post and we Shake said, it. hey, you might want to run this story about how there's all these pastors that have created these Ashley Madison's account. And they did that. And that was kind of a warning shot to all of them because I, I had a, a moment where I was like, well, hell, if we charged a hundred dollars a pastor, right. we could, <laughs> we could get their name removed from this list and make some quick money. But right. then there's no redemptive quality in yeah, that. So wrong. my team yeah. was like, yeah, yeah, Hunter, don't do that. Yeah. Um, so we passed on it. But then the, what ended up happening is I mentioned in the article that there was a way to remove your name from this list. And so we started getting these weird phone calls from the office and there would be like people using voice changers. And, like, <laughs> That's awesome. And like, and like people would create like fake Gmail email addresses, like pastor whoopsie daisy at gmail.com. Like, Hey, I don't want to give my name out, but I think my name might be on this list. Can you help? And, that's probably been the most ridiculous thing we've had happen on the pastoral level for sure. Hi, my name is Tom Johnson. My, how much are your services? Right. Yeah, and it was like it was like Snoopy, like just random, random, random stuff, random email addresses. Oh man, that's what I'm saying. That it, it just those all the people that contact you are just so scared. Like it, you know, it's just like a, oh, it, it's like that dream I have where I, is, yeah. I, in the middle of, I think, oh no, I haven't been to my class all semester, and now the finals are here. It feels, but it's real or something. Like you know, I, I thought everything, you know, I thought I got away with everything, and I didn't. It's right there. What, please, can you save? They're asking you to save them, right? That's what yeah, they're. Yeah, but hoping. I mean, I think I, the 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 number one like kind of good indicator for me is when I get a phone call from a pastor and they're not ashamed they don't mm. use words like sexual impropriety or a moral failure they, they right. own it for me that's when i'm like okay you're past the i'm embarrassed i want to hide behind this you're at a point where you're like i need to move on i need to heal i need to apologize i need to be repentant you know that that's where we kind of know in the back of our heads okay we've got we've got someone that might be we might be able to help that's interesting and i think that i think that that whole thing makes a lot of sense and i guess the last qu- part for me where i've you know, the last part is the really unclearness to me of whether or not somebody's a good or bad person. That is fine. I am so good with people making mistakes and apologizing and not holding it against them. That is the easiest thing in the world for me. The return part for them is where I am usually on the side of, well, it got this way and your lifestyle and your role are the are largely the contributing factors that caused it. And it, you as a person that is a good person that I validate and care about or like, or think is a fine person separate from your, this ministry or that celebrity thing or whatever, you know, you might be, ha- it might not be good for you to be in the position. It's not like get back to public position. I don't, right. I, I don't have that as a goal for anybody. I mean, I know they have that goal, but that part, that kind of can get twisted up in it as a kind of a thing anyway. So that doesn't mean it's unethical or something like that. I totally understand your point of view. But that, that'd be the next layer of skepticism I have of like, well, even if they could come back and they're genuine, maybe that's not good for them is still a whole layer of it. Yeah, and I mean, I think we, I, we often, I always say time is the best healer. Um, so with a lot of our clients, we actually do – some kind of break off social media preaching. It depends on the situation, obviously. Perry Noble, for example, took that on his own. We didn't have to tell him that. Uh, he did the break on his own. Uh, but we, we, if we've got a pastor that's abusing substances or has had some moral failures, whatever it is, uh, our initial goal is not, okay, how soon can we get you to preach again? Uh, that's never been something we've advised. We've never, we don't think that that's a good idea either, but there, there, there comes a time when 
they are ready and they are, you know, and that, that time varies from, it depends on the person, but yeah, no, I, I agree. We don't, we don't want someone who's fresh out of a crisis, you know, leading and being mentors and things like that. That would just be silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, quite interesting stuff, Hunter. Um, thank you for, yeah, for sharing for open some good and, yeah. details with us, too. Yeah, yeah I know. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, it no, sounds I'm like your job. She... I'm attracted to your job, too. It Me does too. seem really it. seductive. I mean, like that, <laughs> like you, like, I mean, at any moment, you might hear some of the worst shit on earth about somebody, and, you know, they're sitting there and just like that. There, whatever's inside of me would, would like to hear that. And I like the idea, too. Like, you're right. Like, I, it does kind of feel like you're a storyteller. Like you're like it. It feels like you craft narratives, and your storyteller is the big part of your job there. Like how information is consumed and sent out, all, all of that. So that is really attractive to me. But uh, I, we really do appreciate you coming on and being just real clear and open. It's, it's been really fun for me. Well, good. I'm glad. Yeah. Thank you so much. I didn't. You know, I. I we didn't even hit the JD Hall stuff from. Pope oh God. Oh, you we got to do more go. then. I mean, yeah. What well, was? It? Yeah, you said something in the email or whatever that you don't represent Clayton Jennings as if that was a point of clarification. Why would that need? Why did you need to even clarify that? Was there? What, did you talk to him? So, or have involvement. Yeah. So. J- JD wrote on pulpit and pen that I represented Clayton Jennings and we got a hold of JD and we're like, where, wait, what, where did this come from? This has never been anything. And he's like, well, we heard from somebody, heard from somebody who saw on Clayton Jennings Instagram that you were representing him. And we were like, that's not, that's not a thing. We've never, we've never had that. But that actually was great because that actually JD and I finally got on the phone and uh, we had a really good conversation. And I think, and I heard his episode that you guys did with you and it, it I think it's very easy to to see someone online and write all this hateful stuff. But then when you get them on the phone and you go, okay, there's some heart, there's some soul here. Uh, and so I, I may not agree fully with JD, but uh, he's an interesting guy. And I think he, your podcast episode with him definitely kind of opened my eyes a little bit with that. Yeah. That's so cool to hear that, that you can, you know, people can get some takeaways of a person if you just kind of hear them in that situation. I love that. That's kind of the yeah. point here. I'm going to say, Hunters, I would love to have you back and talk about that and some more of this stuff. And, uh, and I mean it. I mean, it's, it's uh, many times where we say, I'd like to have you back, and maybe I don't mean it, but I do this time. Like, <laughs> yeah. And plus, there's that. more scandals to do. Plus, if you really need somebody to help you really know if somebody's lying on a real big emergency, you keep Toby and I on a retainer, and we will come yeah. okay. and help I, I investigate. Would I would love to be on that part of it. The, sca- the re- yeah. If you can convince Matt and Toby, then then you can take them on as clients. Make them run through <laughs> us, and that, you, you, we'll just charge a little bit. <laughs> I love it. All right, Hunter. Thank you so much for joining us, man. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Well, that now was who good. found Hunter? I, that was good. How did he get in our path here? I'm glad he did. I think Reva and him talked. Good for oh, them. Yeah. Yeah. Good so, for them. I mean, yeah. I want. I hope Reva took all the notes in the world and uh, will craft narratives for me to make me look better. Because yeah. I, I that is one thing that I a revelation that I had on this was how much does somebody like Lindsay Lohan owe us? Even a pastor doesn't really owe anybody. I don't owe people the things I say, but I feel like I say them for me, not for them. Well, I, 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 there's and a I, sharp distinction with, pa- with, with no, a pastor and his role in authority. Lindsay Lohan yeah, has no, zero yeah, authority oh, tough to me. A no, pastor I agree, does, but so yes. that's way different. But uh, maybe that was a bad correlation there because Lindsay is yeah, talking about just, you know, getting a, a, shot, a crotch shot mm-hmm. and a pastor is talking about cheating on a spouse but, and preaching for, yeah, and, the and doing all this stuff. But, con- helps shepherd and control your life yeah. directly and you submit to him in that that's a way that's 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 that one's insane 
Yeah. Oh, well, maybe you're right. I guess you're right. So he it, owes it a million a lot. He owes me those. a yeah. lot, in my opinion, if I would do And I don't, yeah, I'm not even going to trust it, any yeah. pastor to submit he, like that, to be honest, because of that reason. Yeah. Because he, they're yeah, not able to give me what I believe they owe me, in my in my opinion. But so just staying within the celebrity world, though, mm-hmm. I, I, it is crazy how much information is. Just, I mean, think about Lindsay Lohan, probably a D or C pop, actress level. You know, when you think about all of them, how much, you know, is written about Brad Pitt a day? Mm-hmm. I mean, it is every possible thing they could find about you. So from that PR standpoint, I could definitely see oh, wanting yeah. to protect and wanting to hold back certain things. And, keep, and then it has to be really crazy when the you know everybody can't wait to say the worst thing about you you know yeah. what i mean that's the that is the thing for that's sure some of the cautions about being we've a, been a guilty of that. figure like i i hundred percent believe that the amount of notoriety i don't even call it celebrity but the amount of notoriety or public figureness that i possess is extremely small and it is slightly higher still than what is good for anybody like right even the amount that it affects me i actually think is negative i have more power than i should already and more notoriety than i can handle i feel that is true and i just don't think anybody has any business with these higher levels of it I, you know what i mean yeah. i just really don't i don't see it as an advantage for people you know and i, I don't mean anything right. big about what we are have but i mean just even this amount is very complicating and does cause problems and i've yeah, seen everybody puny you know, amount is- almost everybody yeah, in yeah, bands right. you just see it like you as soon as they get past the level that's like you know reasonable it's like now that just causes it just you start to lose touch like you become more to people that you don't really know than the people that you do know and then you start to value the people that you don't even know it just it's more it's just more than people can handle so these outcomes are you know not that surprising yeah it kind of makes me feel creepy when people say man i talked to toby backstage or he wrote and he's just like a cool guy man that's so cool like he's like you know and i'm nothing in the world and so like i can't imagine what it feels like to for you not to be a real person like Lindsay right. Lohan. That's what he was saying. Doesn't feel yeah. she can't be a real person right. because even if you she is nice and just herself, people are going to think you're so cool and put you on a pedestal or something like that. You know what I mean? Like or you're so mm-hmm. awesome. And then if, as soon as they put you up high, all that means is you can fall. Yeah. And so that's what's really. That's, There's it, been a million insane. people that said, "Man, I met Matt. And he's just such a cool dude." And I was being fake as fuck the whole time. Like I didn't like oh, the I person. Know. I didn't yeah, talk to him. I was trying to get out of there. And there's tons of people that said, "Yeah, man, I mean, life's a real fucking asshole." But neither one of yeah. those things were me at all. I don't know what they were, what that person experienced, but they think that. And I'm gonna, you know, like I'm defensive against right. the one. He's an idiot, and that one guy. You know, I'm glad that he thought, but none, neither one of them are real. But I had to live in the reality with that's not. I mean, so that right. just becomes confusing at some point. And uh, you know, there's like- speaking of fame and fortune, uh, we we need we we do need some more notoriety and more people. Yeah, I'll take supporting us and, and money. The best and all that. that you can do is Let's in the DC club. That's how we and, do uh, it. I even got a. Uh, a a special present to join the BC club <laughs> this week. I, I noticed it today again. I've been trying to listen. I, okay. So first of all, I get excited when we have guests and I talk too fast and ramble and all that stuff. I'm working on that folks. But one thing I hate how many fucking times I say the word interesting. I hate it. I hate it. Before we were talking about the interview, before we even got, we started recording today and I said interesting like three or four times. So if you join the BC club, I will Take into consideration your word that I can. You can send it to me if you join the BC Club, 
and you can send it to me, and I will try to use new words. Yeah, me new, too. Me any, too. Yeah. Tell me the words yep. that I use a lot that you would like me to reduce. I would love. It used to be that. pejorative. You said that one a lot. Well, you get on. I mean, you get on <laughs> kick sometimes when you find a word effective, man. You keep seeing uses for it. It's so just that's right natural, there, right? But you have to keep expanding that and keep. But the variety it's a crutch. Thing. Interesting a for crutch, me is a, yeah. a total crutch that I just don't like, and I, I feel stupid saying it over and over and over. I know people listening, so. You new BC clubbers out there, I will take it into consideration. Well, who current are they? BC clubbers, current BC clubbers like Grant Curse, Alex Flower, Adam Rostad, Simon Simmons. Adam's the one Trevino. that got us the the, uh, the Tom Farley interview. Thanks. Adam. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's right. So I wanted Adam. to give. I wanted uh, to. What was it? He has a podcast. I want to make. It was something that I wanted to do for him as a favor, but and I don't have it. Reva, can you look that up in the next couple of minutes, Adam? D Rostad and you can keep this part in or edit it but he wanted he I really appreciate him getting that Tom Farley interview because that was special to me and he had some request that I said I would try to work in an episode and now I see his name I remember but don't remember the request but I would like to accomplish it for him keep going all right, uh, Scott Leslie Carl Lemon Jonathan Hugadorn Marlon Paris Joshua Klimple and Samuel Moore um Yes, all these folks help support and keep this show going, and we sincerely appreciate it. It's uh, Adam Rosehead's podcast is called Whiskey Tasting Podcast. No, no, that's what it's about. It's called Chill Filtered oh, is the name. Chill of the Filtered. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> either one of those names is pretty good. Whiskey Tasting Podcast. That, no, I, I like. Too, yeah, that might have filtered. been more direct yep. to the point. My my professional advice is change yep. the name to Whiskey Tasting Podcast. It'll search well, yeah. and people will know what it is about. Um, but he had Tom Farley's in Wisconsin, had him come over to his podcast studio and talk to us and did that. I appreciate it very much. And as yeah. I do with everybody in the BC club, uh, again, especially in these times and, you know, with Joey out and all this stuff, it's it's nice to have Reva doing her job. Toby's here. The club is what it is. Yeah. There's, you know, having stable things in your life is a good thing, interactive stuff. And I find the BC club yeah. to be something of a stabilizing force where I stay calibrated to the world and what's going on when I am confused. But, uh, you know, I just pay attention over there and interact when I can. But I thank you guys, and it is meaningful to 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 have what we got. And you can join us, if you like, at thebcclub.com. And also, thank you for supporting the podcast and the financial and all that. It means a lot. We'll see you if you're in the BC Club tomorrow, because we have a Daily Dose episode, and we'll see you Friday, and we'll see you Monday, oh, and shoot. we'll see you Tuesday. And then back. I forgot to I forgot to ask Hunter. Uh, I have a friend who's a pastor who's kind of you know, like missing some work right now mm-hmm. because he's done some really shady stuff. Not gonna name names. And, yeah, I don't want to say, but he's not at work right now, and just and there's some narratives being said about him. But I don't know. You know, I just I'll, I'll get him. In, I probably can Reva will get. I'll get the emails to send my friend who's the pastor to Hunter to craft a good narrative for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Why he's not uh, doing his job, like, I don't know, he does some kind of media thing. It might be like, I don't know what he does, but something like that. <laughs> Services retained. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>